0: Hey, welcome to season one, episode four, Slough Radio.
1: We are back. This is Adrian and. <laughs> and this is Mike, and that was the overture from Camelot, Lerner and Lowell. Lowell, Lowell. Lerner and Lowell. Low, Lerner, Lerner and Lowell. I don't even know that. I grew up with that record. Uh, we didn't really want to tease you too much and, and have you hear Richard Burton uh, talking there, uh, singing, talking. He kind of talks. But man,. He's got a good voice. He's got a good voice. That album, um, that record, which is really a, the soundtrack to the original uh, Broadway stage production, is, man, that goes way back for me. Uh, but.
0: Quite inspirational. Yeah, rather
1: than bringing out the crypto thes- thespian in, in us here, we will uh, have Adrian play some Seerath Ungle.
0: Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, funny thing, now that. Ungle we're... in the jungle. <laughs> <laughs> Now that we're doing this, That's okay. I've had some emails from people asking um, about how come there's uh, episode two and episode three of this podcast and has already one. been posted and not episode one. So it's I've like
1: Star Wars. The, the, the number one's not going to come up. Till, yeah, you know, it's going to come rem- out till, way, yeah, later. Yeah, way later. Yeah. But
0: uh, I guess we could plug that because we're doing a, a guest um, DJ thing on a website called GimmeRadio.com. And if you guys don't know about it, it's, uh, it's all metal all the time. You know, time. Dave,
1: Dave Mustaine's on there, uh, you know. A lot of good I mean, it's actually yeah, pretty uh,
0: good. It's pretty variety and a lot of cool stuff. We're going to be doing our guest DJ spot on uh, April 22nd.
1: At yeah, so that means this has to come out before exactly, then. <laughs> exactly. So it's April
0: 22nd at 10 a.m. Pacific time. That's uh, 1 p.m. Eastern time and 6 p.m. London time.
1: It's on one p.m. No, it's on ten p.m. here. Ten
0: a.m. 10 a.m. Pacific yeah. time. Yeah, when all the
1: rockers are awake here.
0: One p.m. Eastern time. Six p.m. London time. All right. So that's April twenty-second on gimmeradio.com.
1: So in case you're a London woman, what is it, London? Oh yeah, yeah, London lady. <laughs> we're gonna play some Beowulf later today.
0: But uh, so so this um, we're finally official podcast now on the iTunes, Google Podcasts. Spotify, um, iHeartRadio, and all your whatever podcast things you look at. Because, again, we've received some feedback that um, people are actually listening. And they're like, hey, you know, I want to listen to it on podcast. So I finally figured out how to make it work. And uh, this is all podcastable now. But I'm also going to post the link if you just want to download the file and listen to it from the website. But yeah Mike and I are going to be listening to records and uh, telling yeah, stories that's again. Right. Here's some Seaworth home.
1: was I mean, dave mustaine definitely
0: yeah. dave mustaine
1: sounds freaking good man that it was hit the so, lights it's like <laughs> i like that a lot better than that
0: uh, this is off of the original uh metal massacre album that i bought when it came out back in the day it's still, it's still got the price tag on it 8.99 us dollars 8.99 dollars 99 the new heavy metal review
1: will you wait what year is it to 82 uh 19,
0: 1982
1: metal blade yeah metal uh, blade yeah,
0: records yeah, yeah. Number MBR 1001. And uh, cool. before that, we heard the Sirith Ungol, Death of the Sun. That sounded in pretty
1: insane, too. Pretty I love awesome. the way the mix is on that stuff. Oh, is that the one we were talking about last time, saying it sounded like Black Flag or something? Yeah, it does. I was on this giant bike ride, as I've been doing, because I can get out on my bike, and if I sit around my house um, all day, I can't do it. I just, It's not possible for me. I mean, if we were on it. Actual quarantine, where if you walk outside and you die, kind of thing, I could do it, but it would be hell. But I'm not I that guy. Ticket. I'm not the guy who can sit around the house like, I got to get out and get some exercise and breathe fresh air. You know, you stay six feet away, you can do it on a bike too. When you get approached by like, you know, people you think are scary or, you know, that, that look like they're sick, then you can just get away really quick. But so I went up in the Marin Headlands. Scary
0: people just, out there. Yeah, you know,
1: giant ride came back Washington Square Park, and saw a bunch of dogs assaulting each other and anyway, so you know I was pretty pretty zazzed last time um, by the time we got down here, or I got down here, uh, but today things are a little more mellow it wasn't as nice out I didn't go on a bike ride, you know, so we're just going to have a nice mellow jazz session um, and play some twisted tower dyer yeah, and yeah. so we got TTD, T-T-D. Twisted Tower Dyer, our friends from the Virginia, the general Virginia vicinity.
0: This is off of the Wars and the Unknown album. Yeah. Released on No Remorse Records in uh two thousand and nineteen, I
1: believe this. And we're is gonna play Hell Hellbringer or something or the Hard, Thundering. Hardbinger or Hardbinger. <laughs> Hard Hard Isn't that, that band we play with down in uh <laughs> down in uh Michigan? Yeah.
0: What's Hardbinger. Har,
1: that's Harbinger. Yeah. No. Yeah. Harbinger what is that? What is that? They, you know what? They should have been called Hardbinger. What was Hard,
0: that? Hardbinger. What? Yeah. Harbinger. What
1: was that? They're the Harbinger of of the new of the new metal scene. What was What was that town called where Harbinger lives?
0: Lansing. Lansing, Michigan. Lansing. We got
1: it. That's where the college is, right? East Lansing. Oh, wow. Max Bar. We got to get oh, some Harbinger. God. We have some of them. Some we of can't their stuff somewhere. That place. No. Remember the analog kids? Vaguely. We, we used to stay with these kids called Har- Harbinger but they should have been called Harbinger because we would go to their house and they were considerably younger than us but you know it was this party house we'd stay in when we play down there like 10 10 years ago maybe I don't know Probably. and so we played this place called max bar it was a lot of fun and we noticed when we get this is only 10 years ago when we got into their house it happened a couple of times We stayed there a couple of times that they were so obsessed with 80s metal and 80s culture in fact, they introduced us to, on VHS to that movie called Nasty Hero. We made a song about okay. from the eighties, yeah. And they had nothing but eighties technology in their house. You know, it was like five or six of them living there, I do and a bunch of the, okay, no, yeah, they. No, yeah, they had an was, old so Macintosh computer that had no internet connection, like a Mac Two or something, <laughs> with like one disc drive and a, or two disc drives, and a, and an old TV and VHS tapes, and that is it. No cell phones, no that. internet, no yeah. contemporary computers, laptops, nothing. Ten years ago, it was awesome.
0: I remember they were, they were they were at the forefront of the digital resistance.
1: That's right. Anyway, so, but we're gonna twist the tower. Dire was generally part of that same, uh, what, what do you call that scene? The metal scene, uh, like the the uh, new old wave of. I don't know what the hell you. Do we have a name for that back then? I don't think we I did, did we? No. Anyway, TTD's from Virginia. One of them lives in Pittsburgh, but we've been playing shows with them actually in Europe and like in America years, since then. like yeah, nineteen two thousand. Yeah, twenty years.
0: Twenty years. It's been twenty years. Anyway, so this is their
1: the, their latest album.
0: Twisted Tower Dire.
1: And the name of the song is. The thundering. The thundering. Now. Yeah.
2: Try not to-
1: that was the rods the rods we almost played with the rods, rods at one of, one of these shows that got cancelled by COVID-19 that song was Where White was Lightning it? was that in Chicago we were supposed to play yeah, with that the rods yeah
0: was Chicago that was, was um, the...
1: Legions yeah, been... of Metal <laughs> Legions of Metal Festival in Chicago of course was gonna be in next in May yeah, and we were playing with the rods and we got cancelled which sucks
0: I think it's been which rescheduled which
1: Dio's cousin or whatever in that band or DiO's nephew, or no, wait, you,
0: Carl Canadian. You know that one of them is DiO's. David Weinstein and Gary Dio's Bordenaro.
1: Well, that's the Italian name. Bordinaro's it gotta be. That's probably It Was him. on uh,
0: release on Combat Records. I don't know
1: much about the Rods. But, mm.
0: From the record, "Let Them Eat Metal." This is from what Oof. year? Um, I don't see a year on it. But anyways, yeah. Rod's from Chicago, uh, well, we were supposed to, the, the artwork on this record is fabulous, though. It's definitely a, a bunch of... We're definitely like
1: we San do. Francisco artists right now. We're talking about all the things that we could have or would have or were supposed to do. You, know? you ever heard that before, that like the difference between L.A. and San Francisco is that in L.A., everybody does their, pro, their art project, their whatever it is, their films or their projects or whatever, and in San Francisco, everybody has this bohemian lifestyle where they just talk about you don't, You never heard about, about, about this when you were use, when you were growing up in L.A. They didn't talk about that,
0: dude. Nobody in L.A. cared.
1: Yeah, probably <laughs> not. Well, because they're too busy Because wor- you know. there's nothing else to do in L.A. They're once this is this is this is, maybe maybe this is will sound strange to like a lot of people strange. listening that San Francisco was once a very artistic bohemian city. But for the last, what, five years uh, or so, those days are it, gone. it's kind of gone. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's, we're all living in shipping containers, so it's completely gone. But there was a time, like when I moved here in 1990, I would totally the reason the I came here <laughs> is because I visited here that same year with my friends driving around the country. I was like, holy God, look at this place. Incredible, you know. And now what do we got?
0: Yeah, well, a lot of the venues are closed. Um, Slim's is gone now. Slim's
1: just closed, Slim's yeah. Slim's is gone. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: Parkside's probably on its way out, right?
1: Uh, well, it, mm, is that ever it's gonna hard reopen? to say. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I don't who, know, who knows? No, no, I don't know. Well, I don't know.
0: Yeah. But, yeah, it's,
1: gonna but it's anyways, going to be a, rough. It's going to be rough.
0: On a lighter note, um, we've received some questions from oh. uh, you folks on the uh, interwebs and
1: stuff. Is it Tony Visconti or whatever his uh, name No,
0: this... <laughs> This is um, Tony
1: Visconti wrote it. Tony Carbosi. Tony Carbozi, I forgot. Tony Carbosi. Yeah,
0: yeah, but uh, yeah, I, if you guys want to send us <laughs> questions on whatever platform Twitter, Facebook, um, email, Gmail, whatever, Instagram uh, we, I look at all that stuff. So if you want more questions, uh, this guy has a question. He says, uh, What is the song Atavism about? An autobiographical account of getting hurt in a high school football game in Pennsylvania?
1: So wait, so what is this? Frank Carbone or whatever his name is? Tony Carbone. Tony Carbone. This guy guy knows I'm from Pennsylvania. I guess I've talked about that enough, especially here. It's kind of common knowledge to whoever knows about me or this. this. Um, That there is references to football games in that song. Because it is autobiographical in that sense. So he's right about that. I didn't get injured in a high school football game, but I, I, um, not seriously injured ever. But, uh, one time I got nailed by yeah, where'd you play? a pile on my, what? What position did I, you play? I had piles. That was the injury. the only injury I got. No, I, what I, position I played, did you play back? I then? played, I was uh, a halfback at first, and then I or was a fullback or a halfback. I don't remember. I think I was, think like one year I was halfback, the year I was fullback. But you know how in high school and junior high, they put you on um, offense and defense. Like you have to play both, which is actually pretty cool. But they would never do that in college or pro. But I played uh, um, nose guard on defense. And then eventually I was playing on the line all the time, like, like uh, tight end or something. Uh, offensive line is boring. Anyway, I played nose guard. Um, and I was small, but I played nose guard because the nose guard is not the biggest guy on the line. The nose guard's the guy who's dexter, you know, uh, uh, dexterous. You can tell I was also playing D and D at the time. Uh, and uh, you got to have this spry little guy who can, like, basically at that age, the center is really bad because you know you get some kid who's like thirteen it's smashed, right? Yeah, the center is like thirteen years old. It's that's a tough position. You got to hike the ball and then look up. At someone, you know, so I used to leapfrog over this guy. I mean, literally try to like jump over him because I was pretty small for my age and I couldn't, you know, I couldn't deal with a lot of these line guys. They would have they gotten smashed. So I so I jumped up over the guy and I had eight sacks that season uh, during this year. C- no, I did really good. Yeah, because I was small and, and uh, you know, hyper and stuff. And I would, you know, uh, you know, spy. Did you get hit head a used. lot? No. no, 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 no. But I had a helmet that didn't fit very well. No, that it like was really tight on my head, man. That's probably why I lost all my hair. Because, <laughs> but it, but it was that yeah,
0: explains it, a lot. You no,
1: know, back then <laughs> tight, man, tight. It didn't mean when now. I say, oh, my helmet was tight, man. Yeah. But anyway, no, that song is not about getting injured in a football game. But it does have some references to playing football, like in the backyard or whatever. It's actually about an atav- Well, someone who suffers from an atavism, which is a condition in which you possess a trait that has skipped many, many generations in your lineage, meaning somebody had, let's say, blue eyes or something like that. You know, your great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother, grandfather had blue eyes, and then it skipped all the subsequent generations. They had brown eyes, and then suddenly you're born with blue eyes. For me, it wasn't that, though. It was my narcissistic thinking that, I, well, if you want to call it that, that I was like a Cro-Magnon, because everybody used to tell me that...
0: Is atavism contagious?
1: Uh, <laughs> can you get it Only from if the you have sex with the person, so well, there's yo, no danger down here, yeah. Because <laughs> it but goes down another generation. Gen- well, no, it goes down. I mean, he skips generations. But that's what the atavism means it skips generations, a trait that skips many generations. So I was born with this brow ridge, like, you know, my eye, like, I don't have any eyebrows. Have you noticed that? that Look at my face. I don't have no eyebrows. You ever noticed yeah, that? True, you have ever. them. You're Mexican, I do. I have you know? Lots of eyebrows. But I, I don't have any eyebrows. And, um, Everybody used to think I burned them off. All the goth kids are like, "Oh man, did you burn off him? your eyebrows? That is so hot. I want to do that, man. How do you do it? You know?" And I was like, "No, I just don't have any eyebrows." And I'm like, well, "Why not? Because I don't need them. Look at my forehead. Like if it rains or someone throws a boulder at me or something, you know whatever, it's not gonna hit my eyes because I got this big brow ridge, right? And it's not really an atavism because my dad and my grandfather both had them, but they weren't as big as mine." As they say, you so, like the total crime saying guy. Saying that like what?
0: Like in the like in the Steven Seagal movies and stuff. What about like like the bad guys? They always have like these, um, you know, like a group of bad guys that are like the uh, the leaders of the organized crime at the local shipyard and stuff. Like like yeah, you should. That's yeah. the kind of character that you should. play. I would in. have
1: played if I had become a, if I'd gone to L.A. and done my actual projects. <laughs> <If you laughs> went no, I did. I tried. To, I, I was going to go down to L.A. and be a, a grip. Um, on a movie set, well, I figured I I watched some guys do it, and I thought it didn't look like my idea of a good time by a long shot, but I was kind of a kind of a wussy about it. I went down there, and you remember this. I went down there because I had okay, two of my big heroes, Harrison Ford and Charles Bronson, had (laughs) very opposite ends of the movie star spectrum not opposite ends, but not, not yet. They, they, uh, they both made it by being, grip, being uh, grips on, on westerns or this or that. Like they oh, that's would, uh, cool. Charles Bronson used to like, hold horses, and they looked at him like, Look at that guy. That guy's ripped, man. We should put him in a movie. So And Harrison Ford did some grip thing because he was like Mr. Construction Stung. Guy. He had a philosophy degree, and he, doing, and he was doing construction on a set. And then he was a roadie for The Doors, actually, believe it or not. Who was Harrison Ford. Really? We used to make him stand in for Jim Morrison when he was too drunk. Because I mean, look at him. He looks like Jim Morrison when he was younger.
3: He
0: would do soundcheck. No, he did make him sound stand sound in. I'm
1: just start. kidding. No, he did. But he did. He was on the Doors tour on a tour of Doors working at construction. They, they was on these film sets. So I figured that's the way to do it if you can't. Because both those guys hated like Hollywood, you know, schmoozing and stuff. You can imagine Charles Bronson. Can you imagine Charles Bronson trying to like schmooze his way up in Hollywood? Like. It ain't gonna happen.
0: Well, he probably didn't say much and just gave like a burning, intense. Yeah, load. no, I, you know, I
1: was holding the horses. He's from. That's because he's from Pennsylvania. He's from. Oh, he Nan- He's from Nanty which is a really tiny town uh, between Altoona, Pittsburgh, and State College, where I grew up. Like right there, like an hour from where I grew up. And his mo- He was a he was a Lithuanian immigrant, Jew immigrant, I guess. And his mother sold him to some coal miners for a pig. I mean, that literally they tr- traded him for a pig. When he was like five or seven years <laughs> old insane. to work in the coal mines and so anyway he made his way out to california and i thought that's the way to go the charles bronson route i'm going to become a, a, a big movie star by by being a grip and looking intense because if i talk to anybody they'll never want me you know now there's a, a burning guy intensity charles bronson so they look at me and say we want you to play this crime you know this hitman but it never happened i went down there right after 9 11 right after uh oh, of course you know, yeah like you remember how i went down there on everything i do my girlfriend that. we stayed in this little guest house because she was going to work on a movie uh, for this you spent this like a year down there pretty much me yeah didn't you spend hell no wait where's your memory man
0: I spent like gone. a month
1: or a month I spent two two and a half months gone and I then I ended up in LA for like maybe a month, not even and then we went to Salton Sea for ten we were all over that area. But no it just didn't work. There was no work hmm. and we hated it. And I hated it particularly and I was just kinda It seemed out. like a long
0: time for me Came because back, I, I was in the studio by myself. Oh yeah.
1: I came back to San Francisco with my tail between my legs. Uh, <laughs> but 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 you know what? It was probably a great decision because I didn't really, <laughs> L.A. wasn't, especially at that time. Anyway, what's the next question? Next question. How's that, uh, Tony? Uh, Tony Carbozzi. Go for uh, for a good answer. Okay, question.
0: next question. What is the significance of the references to heavy metal songs, uh, Spiral Architect and Crystal Logic in the Poison Treasures song? Oh, God. Um, there really isn't... I assumed it was about urban crime.
1: Yeah, well, I should probably try to keep this one short. I don't about, even not, know what the words are in this I think they all. rhymed. I don't either. I think they rhymed well. No. Crystal Logic. Uh, I say spiral architecture, Crystal Logic, because it is about... What did he say about urban crime?
0: Yeah, he says he thinks... That he thought it was about urban crime. It was going to be a,
1: my movie career in urban crime. No, it was, it was going to be about... It is about, the song is about people in this neighborhood, the Tenderloin, 6th Street, San Francisco, kind of skid row. Uh, it's not urban crime, urban drug addiction. Yeah. People on the street, all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. Homelessness. And uh, we sort of, I've. this is the first neighborhood I lived in in this city, so I've always been exposed to a lot of that stuff. I thought you and, guys lived in the hate. Well, no, but I stayed right across the street here, on Turk Street, uh, when I first moved, when we first moved here, for oh. like several weeks or something like that, at a... Oh. At a this little flea bag hotel. It was seventy bucks a week for for a room with uh, three bunk beds. Incredible. Seventy
0: bucks a week. Yeah, I don't know how the hell they. Yeah, it, <laughs> that's awesome. Insane.
1: Nineteen ninety, but still, my God. Yeah. It's um, Yeah, I don't know how that, how that works. Because you guys had
0: know. seventy bucks when you got here.
1: It was insane. I can't <laughs> believe it. Yeah, yeah, that's about all. Have a little more. But anyway, anyway, so it's about this neighborhood. It's about urban crime, yes, but it's about people doing drugs, and they, you know. Uh you see him back then, everybody was um, in this neighborhood was smoking you know uh light bulbs or something they were smoking crystal logic crystal meth out of light bulbs and they were all, everyone was all messed up and and uh and then um so crystal logic was referring to obviously the middle of the road on, but also the kind of you know uh the kind of i guess methadrine psychosis. Or amphetamine psych- psychosis. <laughs> psychosis. You'd see these people. It was like it was like this, you know, this crazy way of talking that they had. Uh, and then as far as uh, um, what was the other one? Oh, spiral architecture. Well, I guess I was referring to the city. And it's you know I don't know. Paris has spiral architecture. So does Washington D.C. Not San Francisco. So maybe. I just love that song "Spiral Architect," and I want to throw it in. Sort of well,
0: into since it. Uh, since we were talking about Atavism, we're going to play a couple songs from Atavism here. This is from the vinyl, the uh, Forest Moon produc- Productions, Forest Moon Special Products um, release. <laughs>
1: <laughs> is that Forest Moon Special Products? Yeah, so it says
0: forest Moon Special Forest. I don't remember who that was. Products. Where were they? Where
1: were they from? I don't know. We're talking about they put out the the, the record came out on Cruz del Sur, the CD, but then the vinyl in 2005, I believe. uh, Something like that. Came out on Forest Moon Productions. Yeah. That's weird. This is
0: number 455 out of 500. Oh,
1: wasn't that the guy from. uh, I'm not. It's a guy from like. Perry. Perry. Uh, What? No, It's a guy from like. uh, Sun O or something or. No. No, no, no. That was a different label. There's a couple
0: songs from Atavism.
4: Sirens of slaughter begin. Whistling alone in the silence, I hear them coming. Promising riches of all, laugh in your face as I'm rolling stitches and wait for the truth to be told. Look in my eyes, you can see that the burning fate
3: is no crime. Now the page is unturned.
0: good stuff right there man we were just talking about how in a previous episode we had discussed that there was some atavism demos um laying around that i found whilst i was uh, going through some heavy boxes in the garage and uh let's check it out here what's what's what uh,
1: what song is this that you're gonna
0: this is uh, curse, of curse of
1: athena curse of athena oh yeah
0: just after that. No, it sound, the
1: one that sounded grunt. good was... Yeah, it
0: was Curse of Athena. No, but there what?
1: was another one after it.
0: Yeah, it's Agnostic Grunt.
1: The agnostic Grunt turned out good, right? Yeah, on yeah. The, On the demo. This is a demo we did. Literally a demo. Not one of those things like when a band puts a demo out, man. Like, this is from our latest... This track is from our latest demo. You know, like when they say that. No, they mean by a demo, they mean they're releasing something. They call it a demo. But actually, it's like they're putting it out and distributing it you know DIY. Yeah, this was uh, at the old practice. But this is base. actually
0: we did on an eight-track cassette.
1: Yeah, this is a demo in the sense that we're gonna make a record, so we're gonna demo it first, which is actually what a demo is. This but no we're one really talks about that. Still writing
0: the songs. Yeah, I know, we but were it's trying, a demo we're, for a record that we were, we're trying to flesh them out and be like, okay, is this gonna work? Is this you know? Flesh them out, man. Yeah,
1: we're flesh to, for Flesh fantasy. it out, man. Yeah, but yeah. it was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so out <added> of some <laughs> demos.
4: bring the light of the silver moon's glare free, free being at dawn through the shore in the rags of a slave once I was lord of this kingdom from city to sea now twenty years past the townsfolk are laughing at me kingdom from city to sea now 20 years past the townsfolk are laughing at me
2: I'm a slave Once they try to ignore you And you spit on the
3: grave
0: Atomism <laughs> demos, man. Curse of Athena, Agnostic Grunt. That was uh, 2004. That was on a Tascam 388 yeah. cassette recorder that uh, we did at our old rehearsal space on Cesar Chavez Avenue and 3rd uh, Street.
1: Is it an avenue? Never thought about that. Third
0: army, pretty much. I just remember
1: back then when there was demos everywhere, The <laughs> meaning... <laughs> I don't know how to talk about this. There, back when we used to play with death metal bands, uh... I haven't seen a death metal band in a while, but I remember back then. I don't know if they—they probably still do this. I don't know, but in between songs, they'd be like still talk in the death metal voice. You know what I mean? Like I've seen other bands that like go like, you know, and then in between songs like, next song,
3: no, yeah, I know that, yeah, early death,
1: yeah, and then but these other guys would be like before that in like earlier years of the '90s, I guess they'd be like. And then they go in between the songs, like okay man, like dude, bro, you know, <laughs> like that, right? And then I remember this one show, or like every band that played, like we played, you know, we played this show with all these death metal bands or whatever. And yeah, in between the songs, every single band, it was like at the Cocodree in North Beach. I don't think you were in the band yet. Not yet. No, because it was in the nineties. And this guy's were, like, every one of them were like this
4: next track. Is off our latest demo, you know, and I'm like,
1: you can hear the California accent still in his, <laughs> in his Cookie Monster voice, and he's like, this next track. I was like, look, if you're gonna use that voice in between songs, talk about something gross like disembowelment or enema or whatever, you know, about like, Ugh, I like to, you know, kill little babies and you know and disembowel them and drink them, but instead <laughs> I it's like. Kill this you know, this, this is a very formal like and public puppies. address. Like this next track is off our latest demo tape, and the guy, this next track is off our latest demo <laughs> tape. You know? and I was like, what? <laughs> Please, uh, can you turn the air conditioning up in here? I'm I'm, I'm developing a sweat, and I don't want to get a rash. You know, he was like, dude, <laughs> if you're gonna talk like that, stay in character. Say something gory. You know, talk about you know whatever. Gory. Someone getting chopped up by a by a you know like a lo- a Cub Cadet, you know Cub Cadet massacre or whatever the hell it is. I don't a know. Cadet massacre? You remember Cub Cadets? Those little rider mowers they used to have. No. They're like called Cub. It was like John Deere Cub Cadet. I don't, I don't know where that came from. But but anyway, wait wait what are you doing? What are you doing, man? Where are we playing? What? I want
0: to talk about
1: it here. We talk about it. Yeah.
0: Okay, so back in the day <laughs> uh, when I was in high school, um, death. You got Beowulf. Yeah, Death was playing at um, some place, I think at the, uh, oh gosh, I want to say it might have been like the Hollywood Athletic Club or something, which was actually uh, not an athletic club, it was just a music venue. But, um, but yeah, Death was playing, Chuck was still alive, it was awesome, you know, I was going to go, some of my friends, and it was rad, we had a great night, but the opening band was called Beowulf, and uh, I, have, I went and bought their record. It's not, uh, it's not very often where, like, I see an opening band and then I go to the store the next day and buy their album. But I did. I went and bought their album. It's called Slice of Life. It's uh, from 1980 on Outstanding Records. This one's called London Woman from Beowulf. Coastery! Oh, that, yes. was, that was um, Space Coaster by Perfect Monster, Perfect
1: monster. And
0: out of Portland, Oregon.
1: Yes. And um, that's Deanna Phelps, our, our good friend from Portland, who happens to be married to Justin Phelps, ex-bass player from Slough Egg. Uh, yeah, Perfect Monster. Uh,
0: good stuff, man.
1: Incredible. Um, and <laughs> Beowulf. The, i had not heard london i hadn't heard that record before london woman man that was pretty hot man that's that's pretty hot stuff right that's there good stuff.
0: like i said like when's the last london time woman. when's the last time you went to a show and you saw the opening band and then like two days later you were still thinking about it and you actually went to the record store and bought the record
1: that's happened to me plenty of times actually but I, like I recently know. Well recently I don't go to record stores and buy records because that doesn't really exist anymore. So I, I go to
0: record stores and buy Well records. okay, but
1: you can't find well maybe you could find the latest thing from well, some band you just saw for somebody. You can't do it right now. But, but well, when I when right you now. okay, when you said oh we're going to play London Woman the first thing I thought of was like ooh London Woman or something like that. you know I thought that's what's going to sound and that's what it sounded like. <laughs> well, that's exactly like. what but It, it was, was fucking It was awesome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Beowulf, Beowulf, man. So that's yeah. Beowulf.
1: There's several Be- or there's at least two Beowulfs, right?
0: Yeah, there's there's another Beowulf that the was German much more or, 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 productive. I don't know where much they much more from. productive. But yeah. this particular Beowulf, um, actually, since the last time we talked, I uh, I looked it up online, and they only put out this record here, and they put out a seven inch.
1: That's it. That's it. Are they opened for Death and when? Death
0: in like I don't know, late eighties. I guess. Was. But,
1: but this album's from, like, 1980. 80.
0: Uh, yeah, 1980. Outstanding Whoa, Records.
1: Oh man. That's cool. All right. Yeah. yeah. Beowulf and Perfect Monster. Um, Good stuff, man. I'm trying to figure out what Perfect Monster sounds like. Like, it re- keeps reminding me of something, and I don't know exactly what. Like, almost like X or something. She almost sounds like X scene, or is it X? Is that what I'm thinking? Kind of, yeah. I don't know. Um, we uh, are going to play, let's see, what else are we going to play?
0: Um, I think I'm going to go with the whole uh, lady theme.
1: The lady theme.
0: Yeah, you but know, that's a, that's a good theme to have. So uh, let's, uh, let's dig on some lady luck. With what? Let's dig on some lady luck. I'll come taste the band,
1: yeah. Deep Coverdale. I mean, obviously, uh, but um, this record, like most of the songs, are written by Bolin Coverdale, of course. Because, but wh- wh- I actually don't. Well, I don't have this record. Um, what are you doing, man? No, but it's because <laughs> you know this is like who is actually in the band from the original band, right here? Ro- not Roger Glover, obviously. Just in pace. Ian Pace no, but but uh John He's, Lord John uh, like uh, Talisman original you know yeah. secret sacred t- sacred Talisman yeah. I don't mean Hush original I mean I mean I, wait, okay. shades I mean, of,
0: shades of deep purple
1: Yeah I meant I meant uh
0: you meant like Machine Head
1: mach- yeah, yeah yeah in rock <laughs> Machine Head um so wait Ian Pace is that guy with the glasses right Yeah the drummer No that's that's John Lord yeah And so I didn't actually realize till now that Roger Glover wasn't around when. I yeah. mean, I should have because I've seen videos of Glenn Hughes. And so, okay, so Tommy Bowling, Glenn, Glenn Hughes, Hughes. and, and uh, you are?
0: Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah,
1: you are, yeah. Except we for tw- when he was singing with Black Sabbath on the. Uh,
0: when we went to Sweden Rock, I uh, woke up early to make sure that we can see Glenn Hughes.
1: Yeah, I didn't Back see Glenn out. Hughes. You saw Glenn Hughes. I saw Glenn, I Hughes. Saw Glenn yeah. Hughes. It was amazing. I saw. Uh, he was wearing an awesome
0: see. outfit. He sounded great.
1: Was he wearing a white the white uh, suit? No, nah. no, he was
0: wearing like this striped jacket and just black pants and but he just he looked great man his hair was all crazy well, he, he was like ah! you
1: know I guess my problem with Glenn Hughes is my introduction to him.
0: You have a problem with Glenn Hughes?
1: Yeah, because yes, dude. I do. There's actually two reasons. Jesus, Number one, come on, man, he was on, what is it? The Eternal Idol? No, what's the album with Black Sabbath when Tony Iommi, is it The Eternal Idol? When, when the one that is really depressing picture of Tony Iommi on the front of the record. Is that Seventh Star maybe? Oh, maybe it's that. I don't, see. I, after Born Again, I completely, <laughs> no way. I was just like, not gonna happen for me. No way. After Born Again, I was, okay. I love Born Again. But after that, I was like, I heard whatever the Seventh Star, whatever it was, and I was like, no. No, Glenn Hughes was singing on one of those records. Well, yeah, the,
0: but you can't fault him. Was it in? the first record they did Iommi's after fault.
1: Born Again was Glenn Hughes singing? And I was like, it was so cheesy. And I didn't know who Glenn Hughes he was, was like, hey, in 1984 or whatever it was. I didn't know about him in Deep Purple. I, I was like 13, 14. And I, I was like, who is this Glenn Hughes guy? What the heck? you know? And I was like, Tony, Tony Iommi, like, he tried to, tried to make it the Tony Iommi solo album. They wouldn't let him, whatever. But then the second reason is, the second reason is we were on uh s p. v steamhammer distribution in the nine in the late nineties early two thousand yeah <laughs> and which is great because that's a that's a pretty decent big you know european distributor we were we were sort of lucky and um but then it's kind of like being on metal blade for us like we became a small fish in a big pond, whereas all the other labels we were on we were like the big fish in a small pond you know and but on SPZ, SPV Steamhammer, they were like, "Well, we can't put your record out yet." I think it might have been—I don't remember if it was Traveler. Remember, Tra- remember we recorded Traveler? In- I remember Traveler. No, do you remember? <laughs> it's the first record you were on. Remember when we we recorded Traveler in 2001? Yep. Right before 9-11. I left for LA to be a loser, to be to be to work on a film set, and it was right in 9/11. We were recording Trevor, remember how it didn't come out till 2003 i do remember i finished it in 2001 right around 9 11 you
0: were doing vocals i have
1: pictures yeah and like within a month or less it was done and it didn't come out till 2003 somewhere in there i was like well when the hell is it going to come out and i was asking whoever it was from spv steam and they're like well sorry but you guys are competing with some heavy stuff here i was like like a year later when it was supposed to come out or something and he's like well the new Glenn Hughes album is really getting <laughs> taken up all the pride I was, Glenn Hughes again now he's sabotaging our band first he sabotages Black Sabbath and then of course you know I would realized in the interim there between 1984 and, and 2002 or whatever that he did some really cool stuff with Deep Purple and more than that that he wore that cool looking white suit uh, even though Ian Gillan did that before him in 1970 uh, but, uh and then you wore that white suit when it we True. played Keep It True once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About, yeah. whatever, seven know. years ago or something like that. There's and videos. I remember, saying, you, we were on stage, and you were wearing that white suit. And I said, not because of the suit, but because I I used to think you look like Tommy Bolin, which you, you kind of do. And I was like, it's Tommy Bolin! You know, I yelled at Did you really? And, yeah, and some people, you know, people knew I was talking about. And then this guy... uh Jim Powell, this guy from Virginia who was there at the gig was like he was like, actually when you said that, I thought it was hilarious because I didn't think Tommy Bolin at all. I thought Deep Purple, Glenn Hughes, he's wearing a white suit. You know, because you were wearing that white that you know white suit, you, you know? still like, have it. It's awesome. Yeah.
0: I also anyway, wore that at for the, the right gig. I know? also wore that out same outfit I wore at the Tidal Wave uh festival yes, in San I remember Francisco. Yeah, yeah. It was the only two like times I wore that outfit. And, and funny thing there's videos on YouTube about yeah,
1: that. Yeah, they're terrible. Yeah. Yeah. But you look good. I'll eh, admit some of the that. tidal
0: wave stuff is is okay. Yeah. There's a There's an ape uprising on there.
1: Mm, that, it's okay. Uh,
0: it's It's kind of messed up because um, we start and stop it because the drums were like starting to fall apart. Yeah, here is having Harry a horrible time then. Yeah, yeah he it, was having it. he had this drums or so he, he couldn't
1: hear you know it's an outside show he couldn't hear. But
0: the g- awesome thing is that you know when he got the drums back into place. He came right in on the beat and
1: was just still banging away. Well, yeah, that's Harry Porter. Back in on time. Timing. So now, music fans, we're going (laughs) to play... Legend. (laughs) This is a bootleg I have that some Greek guy sent me. Greek Greek people, Greek metalheads used to send me a lot of interesting things, uh, which I was very grateful for. Uh, They sent me... I mean, obviously, it's illegal to send alcohol through the mail, but... Uh, it was so awesome. Way not back right now. around the time our first... Not during Corona. It's not illegal? No, you can get your
0: alcohol delivered. No, I mean
1: a person, a private person to send alcohol through the mail is illegal. Oh, okay. Internationally. But anyway, I was like... Um, I started to get these phone calls and, and mail and stuff back before email was the big thing. In like 96, 97, when we did our first album, it kind of... Uh, we put it out but I got these I got it distributed through some people in Europe in it and all these Greek people got into it uh, initially that was the you know cuz Greek or like Greeks are like seeing, hit, that, man. that seems like the biggest metal fan you know that's where people were the most the most uh, rabid metal fans now and um, next thing i knew i got this package with a bottle of ouzo a really nice I bottle know. of ouzo in it and the guy who wrote it, it's like hey yeah man I really love your album and I want you to I want you to drink this before you go on stage. This is this is you know, he called it some name, like this is, you know, crazy Hellenic fire or water or something like that. Like the best you know, thing in Greece. Drink it before you go yeah, on stage. Cool. So I did, I listened to him and we played like the CW saloon and I I drank some of it before I went on stage and it it was you know, it's pretty cool. You were but, enlightened. Uh, what? You were enlightened? I was enlightened, yes. Uh in a very Socratic way. I was, but then I uh, someone sent me this because we had covered uh, on our in *Twilight of the Idols*. Of course, um, we covered *Wizard's Vengeance*, and then this guy sent me this really beautiful bootleg of that very rare uh, *Legend* album from 19 oh God, I can't believe I can't remember 1979. Yeah, you don't have the cover
0: for it. Just, just, it's, well, it got burned up in the fire. Again, no, we talked about this. Burned up in the fire. You know,
1: in the fire in my house. Yeah, but but I still have the vinyl. So we're gonna play. Against the Gods. Against the Gods, It's one of the yes. greatest songs, oh, you know, one of the best songs on this album, and it's... Delightful. So, check this out. Legend, the U.S. legend, uh, Against the Gods. I love this song.
3: A field and now The earth is shaking on a chariot wave. Gods
4: with vengeance Oh, they took my love Breath away She loved my life
0: Sword, huh?
1: So that was um, Doom Sword Legend uh, Against the Gods, followed by Doom Sword, our friends from Italy. Um, and that guy's name is Deathmaster. That's that's what he calls himself. I can't remember his actual name. We've hung out with him a bunch. He's kind of been he's, he's been cool, around huh? a bunch of our shows and festivals. Like I've th- been around I remember, in England. Yeah, he has been around the block. We have seen him in England a lot, I think. Ireland. We were in Ireland him too. Deathmaster. He's, he's a cool dude. He's from, he, called Doomsword. label mates with us on Dragonheart. And yeah, they're an Italian metal band. Are they still around is the question. I think they might be. Doomsword or maybe not. I don't know. I need Did to figure that out.
0: Isn't that a band out. that um, Jason from Skeletor likes? No, he likes... Um, I don't you know. guys always have the same... Oh
1: party. yeah. yeah. <laughs> he likes uh, Domini. Oh Yeah. Do- yeah uh, yeah, but um,
0: speaking of that, let's get back to some Q and A
1: here. Oh, there's more Q and yeah, thought yeah, wait, there is. Okay, yeah, go. we
0: have another question here. Um, it's another email question. If the Brady Bunch survived oh, a plane crash in the Andes Mountains and had to resort to cannibalism to survive, who would they eat first, and why?
1: Who the hell asked us that? Or why? Why did they ask us that question? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know, man. Because we seem like we're, um, I guess,
1: cannibals or something. That generation. Ma- oh, because we watched a lot of Brady bunch? Brady bunch. What? what no. Well, who? Who asked that, man?
0: I would say you would eat Cindy first because she's the smallest. Was well, supposed to be a
1: porn star or something, like easiest. It, but she wasn't actually. Who? Who asked that question, man? Um, oh. Tony Carbosa. Oh, g- really? Tony, Tony Corbosi again. Yeah, he's
0: got all these questions.
1: Who yeah. would eat? Who did he say, or who would we eat?
0: He said, who would they eat?
1: Oh, oh, oh! oh. You say who, Cindy? Who uh, would
0: yeah. they eat first? I say. Turns Cindy. Depends on whether
1: Alice was with him or not, or, or. or uh,
0: That's true. I guess Alice could feed the whole family. Yeah,
1: yeah, I guess. I don't Cindy know, what, can only be like
0: a breakfast that meal. Makes
1: sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we. What kind no, of question is that? Him. They need Oliver because he was a, like an extraneous. You remember him? Probably not. You probably don't remember him.
0: Oliver was, wasn't he was that a, like d- a young? They like
1: adopted some kid who looked like John little, Denver. Yeah, yeah. He was a they little had like John the, the, kid. the granny glasses in the <laughs> Some that. kid who looked like, he looked like Paul. Okay, here's a 70s thing and a lot of young people won't remember. He looked like John Denver. He also looked just like Paul Williams. Paul Williams. Paul Williams. Paul Williams. Are you going to tell me you don't remember Paul Williams? I want to here, um, I don't know the Paul Williams. You don't Williams know who Paul Williams, Williams is? I don't
0: know the Paul Williams you speak of.
1: Okay, that's insane. He was like the hugest songwriter in the 70s. He was constantly on TV in the mid-70s. Okay, he wrote one of his most famous songs, which isn't really that great. It's just an old-fashioned love song. He wrote songs for... Um, it's good song. I don't think it's that great, but... But it's a, I mean, it's a song he wrote. You know, he wrote a bunch of songs for, oh God, who? Ann Murray. I don't know that that kind of stuff. Soft rock. You know, who else? I want to say he wrote carpenter rock. songs, but I don't think he did. Not yacht rock, really. It's not really yacht rock. It's, you know. Did
0: the carpenters write carpenter songs?
1: They did, but um, I don't think. I think people they had songwriters as well. Paul Williams, I think, was one of them, but I'm not sure. He's one. You know, he wrote those kind of. It's not really yacht rock. He's kind of wrote like. The BJ Thomas style, uh, you know type of type of thing, you know. It's not, I don't know what you call it. It's not singer-songwriter, it's not Yacht Rock, it's uh Yacht Rock's late 70s, I think. But Paul Williams, yeah, he looked like Oliver. So they'd eat Paul Williams if the Brady Bunch was on a desert island or whatever. Um, okay. Now we're about to get out of here, I guess, right? Yeah, more you know, um,
0: but before we go, I'd like to say that the, uh, the RIAA equalization is a specification for the recording and playback of all phonograph vinyl records established by the Recording Industry Association of America. Uh, the purposes of the equalization are to permit greater recording times by decreasing the mean width of each groove to improve sound quality. What's this and, have to do with and to reduce the groove damage that would otherwise arise during playback. Um, I say this because we're using this same equalization curve in our oh. uh Fig Radio broadcast. Flattening the curve, season, maybe? Season yeah. 1, Episode 4.
1: Try to flatten um, the curve
0: here? Make sure you tune in uh, next week yeah. on Wednesday, April 22nd Wait, at what? 10 a.m. Oh, yeah. Pacific, 1 p.m. Yeah. 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 Eastern Eastern. 6 p.m. London time. you giving me the favor. Gimme Radio Slough Fag um, broadcast. It's, it's going uh, to be cool. We're going to be
1: chatting online. And we will too. remind you that uh, we will be doing this because we, we love doing it. We have found. We never did this before COVID 19. And when it ends, and it will end, it will end. we want to continue uh, doing this. And, you know, uh, no, because we're going to be having
0: band practice instead of right No songs. no, no, we're
1: going to do this still though. yeah because as D Snyder will tell you, you really can't stop rock and roll. You
0: Thanks for stop. tuning you in.: You can put it on
1: pause. you can put rock and roll on pause, but you can't stop: You can't it.
0: stop rock and roll) <laughs>